What religion are you? Uh, Mr. Grant, I don't quite know how to say this, but uh, you're not allowed to ask that when someone's applying for a job. It's, it's against the law. Want to call a cop? <laughs> no. Good. Would you think I was violating your civil rights if I asked if you're married? Presbyterian. <laughs> Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to another episode of the Black Case Diaries. What is up? What is up? (laughs) We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. And I'm Adam. Back during the early days of TV sitcoms, audiences got familiar with a particular depiction of women. They often wore dresses, woke each morning with a full face of makeup, and stayed home to care for their children while their husband pursued a career. Yep. (laughs) I woke up like this. (laughs) But these fictional portrayals of the modern woman were just that, fiction. As women continued to fight for their place in the entertainment industry, the concept of the ideal woman began to change. Women were carving out a place for themselves in the male-dominated writing rooms and would eventually have the opportunity to write characters that felt like someone they could identify with. One of the very first of these characters was Mary Richards, the protagonist of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Oh my gosh! (laughs) Oh boy! Love is all around (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is one of my favorite shows ever, (laughs) which is... So funny to me yeah. because I really like discovered this show mm-hmm. while we were doing our Betty White episode. Yes. And so I was uh, watching yes, it yes. because of that. And I really like identified with what was happening yeah, in the show. And I just, on. I love this, you know, because even though it's very 70s, like you can tell it's the <laughs> 70s. Definitely. Because of the way very it looks dated in that way. And the clothes are wearing. But other than that, I was blown away by how timeless the comedy is. Yeah. Yes, because yes. so often, every once in a while there will be a joke that's like, oh, I don't get that because I'm, I'm not, mm-hmm. I wasn't yeah. alive in the 70s. Yeah. So it's like, like I it's very like yeah. to what was happening. Yeah, like time. every once but... in a while there will be a joke like that. But overall, I'm blown away. It holds up incredibly well. Yeah. You think yeah. of a sitcom from 50 years ago, you imagine a lot of jokes that, uh-uh. Jokes. You know, yeah, yeah. quote-unquote jokes. jokes. But this this wasn't like that. And yeah. I it really mm-hmm. blew me away. Yeah, it does a great job of using this scenario and kind of Mary as a character and her whole point of view yeah. as the springboard for the comedy, right? Yeah. yeah. Instead of making fun of this or that just the <laughs> silliness yeah. of what's going what's, on and her trying right. to make it through everything. the ridiculousness of just yeah. everyday life and yeah. the, the things the people around through. her and and how they affect yeah. her mm-hmm. and everything so if there is one thing that everyone should know about the mary tyler moore show it's that it was groundbreaking for the first time ever a tv show followed the life of a single career-driven woman supporting herself financially while maintaining an active sex life. That's a very important part of the groundbreaking aspect of the show. (laughs) The show employed some of the first female TV writers in the business and took the advice of its leading lady, Mary Tyler Moore, who also understood the pressures that young girls were facing to be wives and mothers first and people second. So let's turn on WJM-TV and watch the 6 o'clock news. 
Tonight's topic, the history of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Hey. <laughs> Should I, could I have read that more Ted-like? Yeah, do you guys? want to read it more like Ted Baxter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tonight's topic, <laughs> the history of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Who's that? <laughs> Ted Baxter saying what? Uh, good night and good news. Good, yeah, that's the one. I personally am not much of a sitcom watcher. Mm-hmm. It's just not the, the thing I'm usually drawn to. Mm-hmm. There are a few exceptions to that, and I think this is a good yeah. example of a good exception because, yeah. again, it doesn't rely on all right. of the the tropes of modern sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Not to say that every modern sitcom is bad, right? Yeah. But it it has such a an identity of its own, mm-hmm. and it and it does really well. All the characters around the incredible lead like she mm-hmm. does an amazing job and <laughs> she bounces off every single other character yeah. you know there there's no character that wasn't along with mary yeah funny at any moment even though even though i will say phyllis annoys the oh, jump yeah. out of me oh yeah but she's what? supposed to yeah. right but that's the point yeah so it, yeah. And, and mary handles it with ease right yeah. so it is it's, it's, it's very yeah, and you could cling to that and be like, yeah. I'm with Mary on this, and she's driving me nuts, too. You know, so it, it, it works really well. You get to know all the characters very well. And even yeah. just a f- the the small number of episodes that I did watch, I yeah. felt that the whole way through. So it does an yeah. amazing job. For those of you who haven't seen this lovely show, here is a summary for you. The show begins as Mary leaves her old life behind to start all over in Minneapolis. She immediately gets hired as an associate producer at WJM, the local news station. Supported by a colorful cast of friends and co-workers, Mary navigates the ups and downs of being a young woman in a male-dominated field. Over the course of its seven seasons, the Mary Tyler Moore Show touched on gender discrimination, birth control, body image issues, and sex. A lot of stuff. Which yeah. and more yeah, beyond and more. that, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was honestly able to do that because it was such a popular show. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of smaller shows or ones that weren't as popular didn't have the ability to yeah. touch on these kind of subjects because they would be like immediately cut. They get know? canceled. For Producers sure. and <laughs> stuff sure. would be like, no, 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 can't do that. Right. <laughs> You're out. And it's yeah. and it's also very cool that the show was brave enough to mm-hmm. do it. Pretty yeah. early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the first episode already, like episode one, <laughs> has yeah. her like already dealing with that kind of scenario. Yeah. You know, turns out she moved far away. She's yep. n- recently single and now dealing with that. Yeah. And immediately her friend is trying to hook her up with other people. It's mm-hmm. just like yep. <laughs> the show dove right in head first. Yeah. Yeah. How like people focus so much on her singleness. Yeah. Like it yeah. really yeah. it really matters for mm-hmm. some reason. Right. And you know, that and also, you know, she in the show is often pictured as the only woman in the room most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. at least in any work scenario. Yeah. And but she doesn't really talk about it. it you just no. see it, you know. Yeah. It's just like yeah. she She's just holding her own. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk a little bit about Mary Tyler Moore, specifically before we talk about the show itself. Born in Brooklyn in 1936, Mary Tyler Moore knew from the beginning that she wanted to be an actor. Eventually, her family moved to California, where Mary enrolled in dance classes. She got her first acting role right out of high school. 
She played the Happy Hot Point, a mascot for appliance commercials. Wow. <laughs> Soon after, Mary got married and became pregnant only a couple months later. And she lost that job. Oh. Mary began getting steady work throughout the following years. She played Sam, the sexy phone operator on Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Her face was never shown, but audiences heard her sultry voice and saw glimpses of her legs and body. When Mary decided to ask for more money for the part, she was denied. They told her that anyone could play the role, and so Mary left. In an interview later on, Mary couldn't remember if she had been fired from the show or if she had quit. Yep. And they refused to show her face, but also they refused to credit her in the credits oh. because they were what? like, we want it to be a secret. Oh, who, who yeah, that is. was the reason. Uh-huh. Even though, yeah, even though <laughs> she wasn't, she didn't, wasn't a big name yet. Yeah. No one knew who she was mm-hmm. yet. She was just starting out. So it, it was a little, you know, and so when she asked for money, I think this is something that, you know, they kind of touch on in the show a little bit. She yeah. asks for a raise and she doesn't get it. Yep. And she either quit or was fired. Yeah. She couldn't remember. Moore had been facing a disappointing week full of rejections when her agent tracked her down and begged her to audition for the Dick Van Dyke show. She reluctantly agreed, nervous to meet Carl Reiner, a famous TV writer and producer. Reiner knew that Moore was right for the part of Laura Petrie from the moment she started reading the lines. Her chemistry with Dick Van Dyke was immediate, so she was cast as his wife. Although Mary's beauty was undeniable, Carl Reiner needed to know if she could handle comedic storylines. Before the Dick Van Dyke show, housewife characters and other sitcoms were treated more like props than characters, with the obvious exception of Lucille Ball. They rarely had storylines centered on the comedic aspects of their own lives. So, Carl Reiner wrote an episode where Laura makes a mistake and bleaches her hair, ending up with a disastrous hairdo. When Rob, Dick Van Dyke, asks her what happened, Laura is reduced to a sobbing mess in the most hilarious way possible. From then on, Reiner continued to write funny plots for more. <laughs> I remember that. I think I have seen that episode. Yeah. That was a very famous He's one. He's like, yeah. what happened? And she's and like, well, what I-? She kind of breaks down mm-hmm. and she can't explain it to him. So she's trying to talk <laughs> while crying. Yeah, honey, why? Why? Well, yesterday morning and I kissed you and you said, don't do that. And you came down to breakfast and as Laura Petrie, Mary Tyler Moore revolutionized the image of the TV wife. She insisted that Laura wear pants, something that was just wasn't done on television. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> she was sexy and relatable in such a way that women saw her as a friend. At the height of the show's popularity, Laura Petrie was America's favorite TV wife. I don't doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. She really, I mean, yeah, she was it, She was actually a star of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it wasn't like she was window dressing. Like, she yeah. was actually a part of yeah. the storylines, and that was pretty groundbreaking. A big deal. And they said that they were very careful about the pants, because they were worried that the pants would cup under and you'd see her ass... Uh, through the pants. Uh, oh, jeez. So they were very say, concerned yeah. about her wearing pants on TV. Get loose-fitting pants? I don't know. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> when the Dick Van Dyke show ended, Moore faced a rough spot in her career. She was offered the lead in a Broadway musical version of Breakfast at Tiffany's. The play was a massive disappointment and never truly opened because of the negative reaction that audiences gave at preview showings. 
The press blamed Moore, and it was a difficult time for her, both professionally and personally. What? That scene, I have a hard time believing that. Yeah, they they were saying, well, this is what happens when you, you know, go out of your lane. Oh, I see. You know, when you're so well-known as one thing and... Good grief. Yeah. But during this time also, she found out she had diabetes. She had a miscarriage. Mm. This was, you know, a lot of really difficult things were happening to her personally, too. While the writers of the Dick Van Dyke show were putting together a TV special for Van Dyke, they decided to ask Moore to appear alongside her old co-star. It turned out that this was the big break that she needed, as the special showcased her talents and treated her as an equal performer to Dick Van Dyke. It was so successful that CBS called Moore and gave her the opportunity of a lifetime, her own show. Oh, Yay. dang. Thank God. Heck, yes. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is... I love how it's called the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. She plays a different character, still called Mary, which is yeah. nice. Yeah. But that doesn't that's not like not a thing that happens anymore. Anymore. No, nope. even a little bit. No. Nope. And somehow the show, like you said, is still pretty timeless. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Despite that yep. little like right. very seventies thing. It would yep. not be called that now. Yeah. It would it would probably be called like you know, WJM TV Ex- yeah, or something. Yeah. It yeah. would probably be called, you know what I mean? Like, something. Newswoman Mary or yeah. something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you You've got, got spunk. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? She was effortlessly funny yeah. mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the Dick Van Dyke show. And, you know, she just seemed to get comedy. Like, she just got yeah. it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, and they were so thrilled with that. And that to them was unfeminine. You know, they, they were like, it's just not feminine to be. To be funny, <laughs> well, <laughs> which is uh, which is such wild. an interesting thing yeah. because I I think that even though people don't say that anymore, I think that is still a belief that a lot of people have. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. You know, I've heard people say like that women aren't funny. I've heard women say it. Yeah. Which is heartbreaking. Yeah. It's like you don't think you're funny. That's dude. That's know, so sad. What What drives me crazy about that yeah. is that, in a way, it implies that men are then therefore funny, right? <laughs> when just, just by being men, exactly. <laughs> which yeah. Which is insane to me. Yeah. Because yeah. there are so many unfunny men out there. <laughs> it's incredible. Even if, even those that are trying to yeah. be funny, yeah, they couldn't be yes. less funny. Yeah. This is. Pretty far. When did the when was like I Love Lucy like done? Well before this, right? Okay, yeah. so okay, there's a precedent for funny women yeah. already. Yeah. Yes, but it's so crazy yeah. that still. Yeah, the Lucille the mentality is Lucille the, Ball was the ultimate exception to the rule. Yeah, yeah. But in the show, they had framed her show in such a way. That what's happening is that she's very much tied to her husband. Yep. And she has to hide the fact that she wants to do show, show business from her husband. Yeah, yeah I guess and that's that, true. And, and that is what most of the situations are about. So they were to squeak yeah. by with yes. that. And, and the yeah. situations were different. Like the situations with Mary were much more like things that could happen at home. While yeah. the I Love Lucy things were insane. Yeah. Like yeah. insane yeah. situations. <laughs> yeah. Really, where she bakes too much bread. Like the bread just yes. keeps coming and coming out of the stove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. I think what you said before, being effortlessly funny mm-hmm. is the right yeah. way to put it. Because she doesn't, 
act like a jokester. Right. But she's just funny mm-hmm. because of her, just yeah. it's in her nature. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I feel like she's trying to make sure everything goes smoothly. But mm-hmm. in that way, she's also being very funny in how she yeah. goes about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And her reactions to yeah. other observed people. Funny. Yeah. All right. So next, we're going to talk a bit about the production. Yay. Woo. The making of, but yeah, if you will, lot, I yeah, guess. The ma- yeah. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> when CBS reached out to Mary Tyler Moore and asked her if she would like her own series, she enthusiastically agreed. It was a big break, finally coming through after some of the toughest years of her life. Her husband, Grant Tinker, decided that it made sense to form a production company that they could manage together. Moore was the figurehead of MTM Enterprises, while Tinker was the man behind the scenes. Yeah. Mary Tyler Moore Enterprises. Yeah. yeah. Did, did he kind of tinker around? Yeah, I guess he yes. <laughs> Tinker hired the two men credited with creating the sitcom, James Brooks and Alan Burns. Burns was a comedy writer in Hollywood, and Brooks had a background in news writing. Both men were huge fans of the Dick Van Dyke show, and jumped at the chance to write for a show starring Mary Tyler Moore. I think one of them said every comedy writer had a crush on Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> uh, wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Brooks and Burns developed a concept for the show that followed a recently divorced woman living on her own in a new city. When they pitched it to CBS, the network representative told Grant Tinker that he needed to fire both Brooks and Burns because there was no way that CBS would allow a divorced woman to be the lead in a TV show. Divorce isn't funny, they said. There's nothing funny about divorce. What is it? Like, that's in the past. She's moving on. They said they're going to think everyone's going to think she was divorced from Dick Van Dyke. And they said, no, uh, we'll show her husband. It will, you'll know yeah. it wasn't Dick Van Dyke. And they mm-hmm. were like, no, 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 you can't. You can't do this. <laughs> she, she can be a widow. But she can't. She can't be a, a divorcee. Tinker didn't listen and kept the two men on as showrunners. But they agreed to drop the topic of divorce and instead made this lead a single woman getting over a long term relationship. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're. Throughout the whole first episode, they're like, like Phyllis is like, two long years. <laughs> just t- t- tell, tell him, tell him how long those two, two years, years were. were. <laughs> just like, you know, just feel shut I know. <laughs> but well, drives it home, and then Mary's just like, yep. Takes I, it with ease. Let man. it go. Yeah. yeah. And you know what's interesting is that nowadays I feel like two years is not that long. Right. Really. Yeah, I, like yeah, exactly. now anymore you hear people that have been together four years Seriously. or five years or yeah. something and then things happen. Yeah. The moment that CBS signed on for twenty two episodes of Mary Tyler Moore, James Brooks called up Treva Silverman, an up and coming female comedy writer in New York. He asked her, What are you doing right now? Silverman replied, Washing my hair. Brooks responded, no, I mean, with your life. (laughs) I feel like that's how I would have answered, too. um, Uh, You know, just hanging out. Just making dinner. Reading stuff on my phone. (laughs) He told Silverman about the show and said that he wanted her to write as many episodes as she liked. Silverman was one of the first female TV writers in Hollywood who didn't work with a male partner. And she would go on to win two Emmys for her work on the sitcom. Yeah. Very nice. She's still alive, by the way. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
As time went on, more female writers filled the writer's room. Brooks and Burns didn't think it was groundbreaking to ask women to write for female characters, but it really was a sign that things were changing in the television industry. <laughs> Before that, though, they were yep. just like, eh, no, we know what women are going to say, yep. right? <laughs> yeah, we can write we, shows and can, make laws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Writers like Susan Silver, Jenna McMahon, Marilyn Miller, Monica Johnson, Sybil Edelman, Barbara Gallagher, and Ann Gibbs all contributed to the show, making their mark on television history. And there's probably more. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah there's probably oh, yeah. more that. For those sure. are just some of the ones that I saw through the credits through and the stuff lists. like that. Yeah. yeah. And they said, I think they said James Brooks, who you know, one of the co-creators of the show, he was like, "Look, I can probably write any situation, like pretty much any yeah. situation." Mm-hmm. But he said, there are things in your purse that I don't even know about. <laughs> and I want you yeah. to open that up and dump it on the desk. Yeah. And explain it to me. You yeah, know, like, because yeah. I, I just don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yes, you yeah. don't know. Let us write this for Honestly, you. <laughs> that was, yeah, yeah, that was very progressive. I right. mean, yeah. just be like, to even admit, like, hey, I don't yeah. know this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing this or yeah. how long you've mm-hmm. been writing sitcoms. You're still a man and you don't really know how a woman <laughs> would react in this situation yeah. because yeah. it's just different. Yeah. yeah. You know, you pit this, a woman and a man going through the same scenario. Yeah. Sure, like for the most part, it's the same, but the people reacting to the women would be different Mm -hmm. than the people reacting to the man and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So it's, you can't just write one way for both. Yep. Brooks and Burns made an uncommon policy that gave credit to the original writer of each episode. No matter how many changes were made before airing, the episode was credited to the original writer for royalties. Both showrunners loved Grant Tinker, the head of MTM Enterprises. They praised him for preserving their creative freedom. When CBS gave Tinker notes to pass on to the writers, he would make sure that the writers never got the message. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it might be hard to believe because of its eventual success, but the pilot episode of Mary Tyler Moore did not do well with the audience. There were hardly any laughs, and the viewers disliked Rhoda, Mary's neighbor and eventual best friend. Because CBS had already ordered the episodes for the first season, they couldn't pull the plug after the pilot. Grant Tinker looked at his writers and told them to fix it. James Brooks and Alan Burns were at a loss. They didn't know what to do until the script supervisor, Marge Mullen, came up with a script change that solved their problem. She suggested that a character, the young girl Bess, talk about how much she likes Rhoda. This way, the audience would see her softer side, too. This, along with some cuts, made the pilot suitable for CBS. Yeah. And actually, it's it, it's actually funny how <laughs> just a couple of cuts and, like, one change can just... Yeah. Totally yeah. change, yeah. Because I, watching this, this episode, I wasn't sure how to feel about Rhoda. Yet. Yeah. Because it was, like, because the only people were introduced to is Mary and Phyllis. Yeah. Phyllis clearly doesn't like Rhoda that much. Right. And, and like Rhoda is immediately shown as an antagonist trying yeah. to take the apartment that Mary's moving into. But then the same way yeah. Mary says it later on, it's like, yeah, yeah. I'm finding a hard time 
disliking you. Mm-hmm. Which I wonder yeah. if that's one of the things they added. Yeah. For them to be like, I'm, you know, yeah. even though we're disagreeing, I'm having a hard time not, not yeah. liking you. And yeah. then it was like, same. And it's like, ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it actually worked out perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? What? In spite of everything, you're really a pretty hard person to dislike. I know what you mean. I'm having a hard time hating you, too. We'll both have to work on it. Mary Tyler Moore had several directors over its seven-season run, but the most prolific of them was Jay Sandrich. Sandrich directed 119 of the show's 168 episodes. That was a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Including the first and last episodes of the show. Yeah. Sandrich considered the day he was hired on Mary Tyler Moore to be the luckiest day of his career. He was there during that disastrous first taping of the pilot, and he stuck around until the end. Yeah. I mean, he was very well known for sitcom directing. Mm-hmm. He, If you watch a lot of old sitcoms, yeah. you'll see the name Jay Sandrich, <laughs> you know, as the director. Plastered for A everywhere. lot of different stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I think this is probably the most, his, what he was most known for no. was Mary Tyler Moore because he did most of the episodes. Yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, that was quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. In order to keep a consistent wardrobe for Mary, costume designer Leslie Hall decided to make a deal with one designer, Evan Picone. This was uncommon as most costume designers would pick items from multiple department stores and tailor them to the actors. It's really cool. The- yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Mary had her own sense of style, and people mm-hmm. liked it, yeah. and they wanted to emulate her yeah. sense of style. And honestly, they could, because I believe that designer was sold in stores. Yeah. So it was kind of almost one of the first kind of fashion deals in a way, ah. you know? <laughs> I also really appreciated how different she looked in mm-hmm. every, not, not just every episode, but pr- yeah. practically every scene. Yeah. Because a lot of times characters in mm-hmm. shows are kind of done a, a, a certain way, mm-hmm. especially like cartoons. They're yeah. drawn one <laughs> yeah. way, right? The same outfit every time. Yeah. But every episode, you know, it start. she's already mm-hmm. at work and she's got another new hairstyle that I haven't seen and another, <laughs> yeah. another new outfit. And it's just like, it, yeah. it's, I actually really appreciated it mm-hmm. because it just felt like, well, yeah, yeah. of yeah. course she would switch yeah. it up. Yeah. She's only like 30 something. She's right. Yeah. You know, and also dating here and there. She's mm-hmm. keeping it fresh. fresh, but yet she was. She had a lot of the same outfits worn throughout the Well, season. sure, yeah. They, but she would switch it up. It would be like, oh, she wore those pants with that shirt. But yeah, then in the yeah. next one, she's wearing she, those pants with a different shirt. Yeah. So it's very, it was very real to life as a normal career it, woman because, of course, we're going to... We're gonna take the same top and pair it with different pants, or like exactly different she, pants with different tops. Yeah, she's clearly operating yeah. out of a closet. You yeah. know, she's got a wardrobe that she, like, she's not just gonna buy a new outfit every day. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The famous first woman executive in television, Ethel Wynant, took on the role of casting director. Ethel, who was VP of CBS at the time, had already cast shows such as Green Acres. Hogan's Heroes, The Twilight Zone, and Hawaii Five-O. Ethel was impressed immediately and really believed in the project. She was excited about a show that would feature a successful career woman that Ethel herself had fought hard to be. Yeah, finally, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A show about a successful career woman. Yeah, like you said, it's, that's me. Yeah. Finally, <laughs> yeah. 
Mary Tyler Moore played Mary Richards, the young and enigmatic news producer. Mary drew inspiration for the part by looking to her aunt, who was a successful executive in an L.A. news station. Her aunt had once told her, you're going to be a dancer, you're going to be an actress. Whatever it is, you're going to be very good at it. Yeah. You know, when she was a kid, her mom was an alcoholic and she spent a lot of time with her aunt and her grandmother. And when she moved to California, her aunt was the one that enrolled her in dance classes. And she was so she was a very big part of Mary's life. It reminds me of the aunt character yeah. in an episode we'll talk about. I know. Yeah. Valerie Harper played the outgoing tell-it-like-it-is Rhoda Morgenstern. She and Mary formed a strong friendship that showed two working women that were each making it on their own. Yeah, the relationship between Rhoda and Mary is so important in the early yeah. episodes of the show. Mm -hmm. This was such a very pure, strong female relationship. There's no competition between the two of them. They just support each other. They love each other, and and that's it. Mm -hmm. And that that's except something for over the apartment, <laughs> except for in the very beginning of the show. And it made Mary's transition into life in Minneapolis a bit easier. Yeah, yeah. which is nice. Before MTM, Valerie did not have an agent and was not part of the Screen Actors Guild. Ethel Winant had seen her in a play and had to have her assistant track her down. Valerie Harper was a last-minute discovery and also the last one cast. She showed up to her audition with a bucket and improvised a window-washing scene. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> they were so blown away that they hired her, and you might remember the, that scene in the pilot episode. When oh, she opens yes. the curtains, <laughs> there she is cleaning the windows. That's right. <laughs> you would think I'd clean these windows if it wasn't my apartment. <laughs> Though she was mostly known as Rhoda and appeared in other TV movies and shows, she also starred in a show called Valerie that featured a young Jason Bateman. Aww. Hey. Ed Asner played the grumpy WJM station head producer Lou Grant. I love how. What do you guys think about Lou? <laughs> yeah, Lou is great. Yeah. Do you, he's awesome. yeah. Do you love him or do you love him? Like, yeah. I mean, really no. Yeah. Like, right? yeah. he's so lovable. Mm -hmm. He's such a lovable character. Yeah. Lou's character was one of the hardest to cast and took three months to find. While Brooks and Burns pursued other actors, Wynant wanted Ed Asner for the role. She and Tinker had to convince Brooks and Burns to see Asner's performance as they were not convinced that he would be able to do comedy. Asner wanted the part. After auditioning, he could tell he bombed it. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> He had yelled that he hated Spunk so aggressively that he had accidentally scared everyone in the room. Yeah, you guys remember yeah. in that first episode, he says, I hate Spunk. Mm -hmm. But he accidentally yelled it. Oh, my yeah. gosh. On the way to his car, he knew that everyone had been too nice to tell him that he didn't get it. And so he went back up and demanded that they tell him how the character should be played. <laughs> Half an hour later, he and Mary read together again, and they knew he was perfect. Mary, however, reportedly didn't like him for the part, which she denied later on. She vehemently yeah. denied it, but they oh. said that Mary, when after he auditioned and left, she said, so we're going to keep looking, right? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And Wynant was like, mm, nope, you, 
No, that's him. No, that's, that's it. Pretty much no, exactly what we want. You should have seen the chemistry. Yeah, I'm good. I'm the casting person, so <laughs> I know what's right. Yeah. Ed Asner may be most known for his roles as Santa in Elf and Carl Fredrickson in Up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Cloris Leachman played Phyllis Lindstrom. Mary's friend and downstairs neighbor that gets her the apartment in Minneapolis. Phyllis often loves to interfere in Mary's life, especially her love life, and has a rivalry with Rhoda. Phyllis is so hard to like. <sighs> you know, it's she's but she's such a strong character and mm-hmm. she's played mm-hmm. so well. Well, I got a long distance call today. And I was on the phone for 45 minutes. And guess what? Your boyfriend's coming to see you. (laughs) That was Mother's News, Beth. Bill's coming? At the time of casting, Cloris' most famous role was as the mother in Lassie. She felt that the role was not challenging enough and quit halfway through to pursue the role of Phyllis. Good call. Interesting. She came in with a strong first impression, apparently sitting on Brooks' lap and twirling his hair after finding out he was one of the two that made the decisions. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, she knew exactly what to do. Wow. It was so strong that Mary had to be convinced that she could hold her own in a room with Leachman. Yeah. Cloris Leachman became known as one of like the prominent female comedians of Yeah. of the 70s and 80s and she really was like she was such a strong performer. Mm-hmm. It's it's somehow the character of Phyllis is very dramatic and ki- <laughs> yes. kind of over the top. Yeah. But she plays it in such a way that it's like, yeah, that could be a real person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know people who act like that. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's this perfect middle ground. Yeah. Her character of Phyllis was so good that it prompted a spinoff show called Phyllis that ended the same year as the Mary Tyler Moore show. Cloris appeared in many shows and movies, but most notably, she played the mother in Lassie, Ruth Popper in The Last Picture Show, Beverly Ann Stickle in The Facts of Life, and Mama in Raising Hope. Her most famous role may be Frau Blucher from Young Frankenstein. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That's a really good movie. Yes. So good. That's another Halloween one we could Yeah. Oh, Young yeah. Frankenstein's a good, that's Ooh, great Halloween that's one. That's a good one. Gavin McLeod played Murray Slaughter, WJM's wisecracking writer. Alan wanted Gavin to play Lou Grant, but Gavin asked to read for Murray. He landed the role even though they actually wanted Murray to be TV's first gay character. Uh. Yeah, and I don't know if this would have been necessarily the first or, you know, how this would have worked. Yeah. Probably uh-huh. the first, like, regular gay character. Like, That's like, a good like, point because yeah. there probably you know, were, like, background characters. Yeah. That- this would have been had like been the, alluded to, or yeah, something. like a featured actor in the, mm-hmm. every episode. Yeah. But like, yeah, so I, I think that's. But they were considering doing that with Murray's character, but then when you know Gavin McLeod was chosen, they were like, ah, I think they just scrapped that fit idea. Too much, yeah. Yeah, Gavin had been playing tough guy roles that he thought he would be stuck with forever. When he saw the role of Murray, he also saw the potential to be Mary Tyler Moore's peer and show a softer side. 
After reading for the role of Lou, he took a chance and, before leaving, asked if he could read for Murray. Gavin had also starred in The Love Boat and appeared in many other things, including That 70s Show and The Sweet Life on Deck. Oh, man, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Ted Knight played Ted Baxter, the self-absorbed and pompous news anchor. Knight showed up to audition in a thrift store bright blue blazer, the picture of a low-budget news station anchor. He was a struggling actor, and the extra step of buying an outfit for the role showed he really wanted it. Ted Baxter was originally meant to be a young, arrogant anchor that would pursue or flirt with Mary. After seeing Ted for three readings, however, they could not turn him down. His personal insecurity showed through during the auditions and added an extra layer to the character. This guy was so beloved by yes. the cast. I think that, like, I think him and Gavin McCloud had known each other, you know, from yeah, the acting beforehand. scenes and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if you, when you watch the show, Ted, I mean, he's the most unlikable character in the show. <laughs> but when you're watching it, he, like the guy playing him, Ted Knight, is just so charismatic. Yes. And you yeah. can see that everybody else in the room has a hard time not laughing <laughs> when he's talking. Yes. Like they have a very... <laughs> He yeah. never, he does such a good job not breaking. He never breaks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, he's very serious. He has the most ridiculous things. Yeah. And everybody is like, you see it. Like they have a difficult yeah. time not <laughs> laughing. And they, they really, they loved him. He was yeah. such a, you know, b a beloved guy on, on the set. Absolutely. <laughs> is there nothing behind this face besides talent? <laughs> yeah. I am the best anchor man in the United States. <laughs> And in your opinion, would you say that Miss Richards' qualifications were comparable to those of a newsman like yourself? I would. In every way, she's every bit qualified as any newsman I've ever known in my life. Mr. Baxter, do you know the penalty for perjury? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Maybe not the best anchorman in the whole United States. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston's father almost played Ted Baxter. He was called back twice, but Ted Knight won out. That's an interesting choice yeah, yeah. there, too. I think John Aniston is her dad's name? Yeah. Ted starred in a TV series called The Clear Horizon and the movie Caddyshack. He also appeared in many shows and did voice work for animated series and movies, such as The Adventures of Batman. Makes me want to watch Caddyshack again. That's where I know I'm, I'm from. Because I'm like, shoot, I, did, you know, now that I've seen him in this role, it's like, whoa, let me go yes, back and watch Caddyshack. Yes, holy cow. Because I, I knew, you know, having <laughs> having been shown episodes of this show before yeah. and watching these episodes, yeah. I knew I recognized him, but it's just like, well, I, it must be from this that I know him because yeah. I can't figure out what else it is. Caddyshack. Yeah. There it is. Georgia Engel played the sweet and soft-spoken Georgette. Georgette enters the show as Rhoda's co-worker and becomes romantically involved with Ted Baxter. Eventually, she marries Ted and she becomes a regular on the show. Very yeah. nice, yes. She adds such a unique, like, yes. personality. Yeah. Like, as unique as everybody is, <laughs> she's like a missing piece, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yep. Just that kind of soft-spoken... Kind of goofball. Yes. But not like Ted Baxter goofball. Right. You know, she just says yeah. kind of ridiculous things, but also 
very smart things. Mm-hmm. Yes. I honestly, I love Georgette. Yes. She is, when she first first introduced in the show, she is a little more like ditzy. Mm-hmm. And she gets so much more depth as the show goes on. Yes. Yeah. She, a lot of, you know, it's easy to look at her and be like, oh, she's so dumb. And mm-hmm. she's, but she's really not. She's, you know, she's just very sweet. Like she's just yeah. a very nice character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She's was very quietly intelligent. She's quiet, but she's also very observant mm-hmm. and like reads everybody perfectly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Georgia was discovered by Mary Tyler Moore, Tinker, Betty White, and Alan Ludden while she was in a stage comedy in LA called The House of Blue Leaves. She was collecting unemployment when she got the call that she would play Georgette. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. What a flip. Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. As she recalled getting the role, Georgia said, my manager at the time, who's long since gone, didn't think I should go because it would cost me money to go out there for such, for such a little part. But even as a very young person, my instincts knew that sometimes you pay for the privilege of working with the best. Smart yeah. decision. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, imagine... After the fact, yeah, somebody else gets cast, and you see the success of the Mary Tyler Moore show, mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, like I yes. could have been on there, yeah, because yeah. that little come out. that like, little part became a bigger part, yes. you know. Yeah. So like, if she yeah, hadn't she taken became a, a regular, like yeah. she, it wasn't that far into the show before she arrived, right? Like, no, it's no. it's like season four. I was gonna say maybe? three or four, maybe, and there yeah. were still quite a few Seven, seasons yeah. left. So Seven, yeah. Four. Georgia appeared in the Betty White show, Coach, Everybody Loves Raymond, and Hot in Cleveland. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Betty White played Sue Ann Nivens, the oversexed happy homemaker. Sue Ann was originally meant to be in one episode, but Betty White instantly won over the audience as a foil to Cloris Leachman's Phyllis. After Leachman left the show for her own spinoff, Betty White became a regular. I am not surprised (laughs) because this character, like, honestly, in in a way, steals her scenes. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously, because Betty White is amazing, (laughs) but also the character's written so funny. I know. This is such a good character. And she's just so very much put together all the Mm -hmm. time because she's the quote-unquote happy homemaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, but... But, you know, you have those episodes where she is a little more vulnerable and you see more to her character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love how on camera she's perfect yeah. yes. in every way. But as soon as the camera shut off, she's ruthless. Yeah. Yes. There's a part where she was making like a strawberry cake or something, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And she, she's, she goes to flip it over. So that it would fall out onto the plate, but it just like oozed out. It's completely unbaked, right? It's just batter. (laughs) She's still on camera, though, so she goes, oh, well, that's not right. Well, you know, even happy homemakers make mistakes. And then the camera shuts off. She's like, okay, who the fuck? (laughs) She's like, which one of you did? Which one of you didn't? Who forgot to plug in the oven? I want names. I want names. Yeah. Yeah. I want want a name by the end of today. And then she goes to sit on the couch because they're coming back from a partial. He's like, don't anyone leave when we're done. 
Yeah. <laughs> <Got it>. Don't <laughs> leave. <laughs> and then oh she, she's very specific on how many cameras she wants. And oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, well, I can't she, do this with yeah. less than three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, uh, well, we, we need it for the next, you know, uh, you next know party segment. episode. And she's like, well, I'll wait until you get it for this. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The producers auditioned almost a dozen other actresses before casting White. They wanted her from the beginning, but they were worried that if she didn't get the part, this would hurt the friendship between Mary Tyler Moore and Betty White. I can't Aww. even believe that they thought that Betty White wouldn't get, wouldn't <laughs> be good know. enough. Like, right? <laughs> wouldn't get the part. She might not get yeah. it. I mean, we don't know. It's not like she's one of the most yeah. I know. influential TV personalities ever. Yeah. <laughs> Betty White is one of the most recognized women in television history and starred in several shows and films like Golden Girls and The Proposal. You can learn more about her in our Betty White episode. We didn't yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we did a whole episode about her. Yeah. Yes. I actually also want to mention one more thing about her character here. I love how she and Murray have <laughs> yes. this wonderful the hate relationship. Yes, it's like very quippy relationship. I was going to say love-hate, but it's mostly hate-hate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because <laughs> he'll make a joke about her, and then she'll immediately make a joke back yes. at him. Yes. And it's yep. fantastic. It's my mind that you write another book. Oh, I don't wonder that you're amazed, Mary. Sometimes I think I drive myself too hard, but there's so much to be done with so little talent. <laughs> so little time. <laughs> After all, life is so brief and impermanent. Much like your hair. Because, <laughs> like, before, he would just make the jokes at Ted. Ted couldn't come up with the quip to, like, get back at him. Mm-hmm. But when she comes in, she does. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, it's really good. He makes a quip at, like, her sex life, essentially. Yes. yes. And then she makes a joke at his, like, bald head. Yeah. Bald head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, I hope the rest of your hair falls out. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, Murray. I hope your sideburns fall out, too. Yeah. 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 uh, Because I I don't know how, like, self-conscious he is about his baldness, but it's so funny that she digs at him about it. Yeah, she just makes fun of it every Every time. time. (laughs) Sweet Murray. Shiny Murray. (laughs) (laughs) John Amos played Gordy, the weatherman. Amos appeared in several episodes early on in the show before leaving to play Norman Lear on Good Times. Amos loved being on the show, especially because the writers didn't fall back on stereotypes to get a laugh. He felt like he was part of a meaningful ensemble and hated to leave. Gordy was, I love the character Gordy. He's the weatherman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And unfortunately he is. He's only in a few episodes. The very beginning or near the beginning of the show, and I miss him later on. I'm like, man, because he's charismatic and he's funny. And, yeah. And there's an episode that I didn't have you watch, Adam, mm-hmm. but there's an episode where it's Lou's birthday, mm-hmm. and this is an episode where he really, <laughs> Gordy really shines in this yeah. episode because Mary throws Lou a surprise birthday party, even though Lou does not want any kind oh, of celebration. Of course, yes. At all. Yep. And Gordy's the first person to show up at the surprise party, mm-hmm. and he's got this like manila envelope and Lou's like, let me see what's in there. And so Gordy hands it over and it's got like party hats in it. And then he's like, how could you do this to me, Gordy? And he's like, oh, I did yeah. <laughs> And like he blames Gordy for ev- like, yeah, the whole party. Everything. It's yeah. so funny. Ugh. 
Um, but yeah, I really like Gordy. It's yeah. sad that he wasn't in the show more. Yeah, he he could have been. He, he, <laughs> for the short time that he was there, he he was a great opposite to Ted. Yes, because he Balanced was actually well. a good anchor. He's like good. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, for a brief moment. When, like, one of Mary's first decisions was, like, to try the two-anchor thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. So they have him fill in for Ted for, like, a second. But then Ted comes back and is like, what are you doing? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, that whole thing is uh, ridiculous. Uh, Once during a photo shoot, a photographer made a racist joke toward Amos, who is black. And Amos said that the entire room fell silent and that the photographer was never seen back on set again. Oh, nice. damn. Yeah. The Mary Tyler Moore theme song is one of the most iconic openings of the 1970s, probably of TV sitcoms in general. Yeah. Mary Tyler Moore's manager happened to also be the manager of a singer-songwriter, Sonny Curtis. After being given the four-page series outline, he immediately was inspired. It took him only about two hours to write the song. He did this before the first episode was even written. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's some enthusiasm there. Yeah. <laughs> the final lyrics change between the first and second season to reflect that Mary has made it. It goes from how will you make it on your own to who can turn the world on with her smile. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I thought for a moment that the like video, like they the clips changed as well, but I'm mm. not sure. They change a little a bit. Little Maybe bit a couple here, here and there. there. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I think... Uh, all through the seasons, they show the clip where she's hugging all the guys in the newsroom yeah, and she yeah. smashes yeah. Ted's hat. Yes. They, they, so they keep that one, but they change a couple other things. Mm-hmm. When she's washing her car, when she's yeah. riding an escalator, you know. It's yeah, yeah at the grocery store. Yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't tell because there's so many quick clips. I was just like, am I gaslighting myself here? I, don't, <laughs> I know. I don't know if it's changing. Yeah. But I did notice the lyric change. Yes, which is kind of rare for a, for a TV yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The other change is from you might just make it after all to you're gonna make it after all. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nice. I like how it shows that change in her mm-hmm. like situation. That progression, you know? yeah. So. At the end of the credits, Mary tosses her hat into the air. Entertainment Weekly once ranked this as the second greatest TV moment. Dang. Moore herself said of the scene, wasn't it great? Freedom, exuberance, spontaneity, joy, all in that one gesture. It gave a hint at what you were going to see. The hat was one that Mary actually owned and gifted to her by her aunt. Oh, wow. That's really cute. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect like a freeze frame to end on it's like yeah that's the picture of yeah. the show you it's know? a like, great because you could see her face very clearly yes. and she's smiling yeah. up mm-hmm. and yeah i i did notice it was kind of funny there's because i assume <laughs> they filmed it just on the streets they did yeah. there's a woman in the background <laughs> yep. with sunglasses on who looks like she's like what is yes. happening over there she <laughs> yeah pretty funny she got like so uh, yeah, she was like unknown. They didn't know who she was, yeah. but she was kind of like this like mm-hmm. unknown cameo because clearly it's like 1969, it's February. Mm-hmm. She's like, what the hell is happening over there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so one time at like a book signing, she came up, Mary Tyler Moore was signing a book and that woman came up to her and she was oh like, I'm the woman in the credits. I'm <sighs> the woman that, and Mary Tyler Moore was like, oh my God. And so she invited her. <laughs> 
on like the <gasps> stage or like in front of like wow. thousands of people wow. and was like, here she is. She's my co-star. Yep. That's freaking, that's yeah. great. That's I couldn't, amazing. I couldn't not notice her almost yeah. every time. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it is still a, like an iconic yes. image yeah. and it would be perfect. I don't know if they, they probably came up with something for like a cover of a DVD collection or something, mm. but it, but that image would make a great. Yeah. Yeah. Cover of a, a collection of some kind. It, it would, just feels yeah, that would. way. You know, you just put the mm-hmm. the, put the logo yeah. title mm-hmm. with the multiple colors just for fun and then that image. Oh, oh yeah, the yeah. multiple That's colors. what I would do. The hat toss was a spur of the moment idea. Moore said in an archive of American television interview, We were out there in the middle of February in Minneapolis, freezing. They just wanted shots of me in action. I was in front of a department and they said, Oh look, here. Run out into that intersection and take your hat, which I had in my hand, and throw it in the air, as if this is the happiest moment of your life. And I did. And that was it. Nailed it. Cut print. (laughs) We did it, man. Let's go get warm. (laughs) In Minneapolis, Minnesota, there is a statue of the famous moment where she throws her hat up in the air during the credits. When TV Land dedicated the statue, they handed out 3,000 berets to the crowd and had them all toss them along with Mary Moore, Mary Tyler Moore herself. Wow, that's <laughs> so cool. That's, that's very really cool. Neat. Yeah. The Mary Tyler Moore show premiered on September 19, 1970. It held consistent viewership across its seven-season run. Grant Tinker and Mary Tyler Moore decided to end the show while it was still a hit, rather than risking a drop in quality over time. Very smart. Wow, look at that. Yeah. Some studios should freaking learn. <laughs> yeah, that. seriously. Run everything you know, into the it's, ground. It's funny how some of the best shows of the generation yeah. do that. Yeah. Yep. Even though you're like, oh, man, I wish there was more. Yeah. It's yeah. like the reason why you love it so much is because it's finite and because it has yeah. a reason. It yeah. has an ending. It, it's a story that has been told yep. and it's succinct and it actually adds a lot. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good stopping point. We were going to make this a one full episode, but we had so much fun recording and we recorded for so long that we decided to split it into two different episodes. So this is the end of part one. Please come back next week for part two, where we talk about our favorite episodes of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Thank you. And we will see you then. So lucky. You feel good now, huh? Yeah. No, I feel rotten. But lucky. (laughs)